Let's all stand, amen. Brother Luther, if you come, my brother, amen. I mean, happy to be in the house of the Lord, amen. Amen. I see some happy faces this evening. Every time I say that, I look at Brother Joe, he's just got a big smile on his face. <laughs> I appreciate that. Come on, bro. Praise God. I'm happy. It's an honor to celebrate a memorial of the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, I love you this morning. This evening, Father. Lord, I was happy when they said, let us go to the house of the Lord. A sanctuary here away from the troubles of life. And Lord, we gather together in your name to celebrate something that you said as much as you do this. We do this in memory of what you've done, your broken body, the shed blood, Father. Lord, we thank you for that. I pray for those that are not able to make it this evening. Remember Brother Don, Lord. I pray that you touch his body, Father. And Lord, we pray that you bless the tithes and offerings. Lord, let it just be a, a jubilee this evening. Let your presence just speak into our hearts, encouraging us and strengthen us as a part of the body of Christ around the world. I praise and worship you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Once you greet, turn around and greet everybody really quick. Amen. Amen. Brother Angel, you ready? Go ahead. Let's put our hands together for the Lord, man.
be seated, amen. Sister Sarah, if you come, amen, give us the song this evening, amen. Right after Sister Sarah, we're going to get Sister Deborah to give us the song, amen. Let's give her a hand, amen. sing it with me. Are you past the point of weary? Is your burden weighing heavy? Is it all too much to carry? Let me tell you about my Jesus. Do you feel that empty feeling? Cause shame's done all it's stealing and you're desperate for some healing. Let me tell you about my Jesus. He makes a way where there ain't no way, rises up from an empty grave. There ain't no sinner that he can't save. Let me tell you about my Jesus. His love is strong and his grace is free. And the good news is I know that he will do for you just what he's done for me. Tell your past to disappear, oh, let me tell you about my Jesus and all the wrong turns that you would go and undo if you could. He will work it all for your good. Let me tell you about my Jesus. He makes a way where there ain't no way, rises up from an empty grave. There ain't no sinner that he can't save. Let me tell you about my Jesus. guilty who would care that much about me let me tell you about my Jesus oh he makes a way
darkness comes and fear assails battles rage within myself I look to you the mighty one by your strength I bless you all. Greet you in the name of the Lord this evening. Praise the Lord. Happy to have you all here in his house. I'm using this pulpit mic here for whoever, oh, Brother Brad, sorry. Yes, yeah, so I didn't uh, mic up in the back. I probably should have. Amen. You got me? I can switch out. Anthony. 
Brother Matt, probably rather I use this one anyhow. <laughs> I'll just use this one, Brother Brad. Amen. God bless you. We're happy to have you uh, here in Bethel Tabernacle this evening. It's a special service for us. Amen. Happy to see so many visitors here. And some of them are going to be class visitors. These two guys on the front are not visitors. <laughs> they are home folk uh, who are temporarily visiting other places. Amen. So we're happy to have them back, amen, <clears throat> in the fold with us here this evening, worshiping. We're happy to see others. There's two brothers over here, young man, and some different ones on the back there. I see Sister Janet, good to have her. Amen. Brother Danny, good friend of mine uh, for many, many years, and uh, his mom and dad were great friends. Um, amen. It's, it's hard to imagine how fast time flies. Hey, Brother Danny. Amen. So I tell people we must be having fun. <laughs> Amen. Well, it's wonderful to serve the Lord, isn't it? And um, so we're happy to have you joining us here tonight. We have a little bit of a different kind of a schedule. We've kind of abbreviated the preliminary singing. <clears throat> and we have a ministry team here for those who aren't familiar with it. We have seven preachers here, counting myself. And so um, we have one of them away. Brother Jason DeMars is in Connecticut ministering tonight. Amen. I'm glad to see the Lord strengthening our brother. Amen. And so enemy was trying to attack him with some sickness, but we've been praying for him. A number of other things we've been praying for uh, throughout the day, especially as it relates to the ministry team. Amen. So we're looking to, for the Lord to continue to do great things for us. What we are going to do now that we've had a few worship songs, and I, I just said, my goodness, what a way to end the new year. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let the devil know where we stand. Amen. And so uh, I was able to go today, uh, Sister Debbie and I attended the funeral of our dear Sister Jan. Now, some of you don't really know Sister Jan all that well, even if you are acquainted with her. For some of the older members here, uh, we go way back with Brother Gary and Sister Jan. So Sister Jan was a very precious treasure to us. And the Lord saw fit to step over all of our prayers and bring his child home. We just say, blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. But um, we're going to plan uh, a memorial here because um, the funeral service was just a small affair. And so we're going to plan a much larger event, a memorial service. We don't have the dates worked out exactly because the problem was that some of her children who are snowbound from that blizzard that went through, uh, they weren't even able to get out. So they couldn't make the trek down. And so the funeral went forward. So now we're going to arrange it with them. Uh, to see maybe it's either going to need to be the second Sunday or the third Sunday. We're tentatively aiming at the 15th of January. We might have to move it a week forward uh, to the to the weekend, to the Sunday previous. We're going to have it on a Sunday, and we're, what we're going to do is I've invited Brother Scott Smith, who also ministered the funeral today, to come back down again. Amen. And uh, we're going to have... Um, We'll, we'll, we'll kind of start in a different way, and it'll be, a, it'll be like a Memorial Sunday, and uh, <clears throat> we'll run it a little bit different also. Uh, it'll give me an opportunity to uh, say what's on my heart. Brother Scott was saying today he didn't really have enough time 
Uh, you never do in those funeral homes. I don't like doing it in a church. Man, when you come into a church, you can just, it's a, it's a beautiful thing, amen, to, to, to realize that, you know, the, the, the precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his children. And, you know, as I've said many times, I heard Brother Dale say it many years ago, it stuck with me, said the world, you know, can't understand. They can't really get it. But to the, to the believer, death is really preferred to life because that's where life really starts. Amen. This is just a training ground here. And a man that's born of a woman, Job said, and we all are, is just a few days and full of trouble. And so we're looking uh, to that happy reunion with our sister. So I told Brother Scott, I said, that'll give you a chance. To, it'll give me a chance to um, bring some things on my heart of how we felt about Sister Jan. And then it'll allow Brother Scott to come forward. I said, and just take the first 15 or so minutes and say the things you didn't have time to say. And then just Go on and preach, and let's just have a, a full service, and we'll call the whole thing a big Memorial Sunday. We'll have dinner on the ground and fellowship, and, and amen. We will really memorialize the wonderful friendship and the life of our sister, and you'll get the Word of God all in one. You'll get fellowship and singing and natural food and spiritual food. Amen. We will have a wonderful time. So uh, we've, we're trying to work it out. The only thing that's um, determining the schedule is what her daughter and son can do. They're up north, way up north, and so we got to try to work out the schedule with them. I'll let you know more on that as we go. So tonight, we're going to have our ministry team come up, and uh, we're gonna, we've got six of them here, counting myself, so we're going to bring them on and let them um, deliver their heart a little bit. It's impossible to preach a sermon in 10 minutes, but that's about all they're going to get. Amen. And so, amen. So, Amen. Praise the Lord. Brother Tony, I, I might keep him close because he knows how to put people on the ground if he has to. And so, and so, and I, I've seen, he can do it quick. Let me tell you. Amen. So, uh, Brother Tony, don't play. But uh, we're happy to have them all here with us tonight. And we're going to just invite you to relax. And we're going to let them come and deliver some things on their heart. And then I'll finish it up, kind of anchor it, and make a few comments. Something the Lord put on my heart the other morning early. Amen. Amen. In my 5 a.m. chair, Brother Jack. Praise the Lord. Lord gave me a wonderful thought. I went in there and talked to Sister Debbie, got her up, and poured half a cup of coffee down her, and then started preaching to her. And amen. Next thing you know, we were both crying. <laughs> amen. So uh, the Lord is good. Amen. Brother Joe, I think you're going to kick it off, so why don't you come on, my brother. God bless you tonight. We'll just let, we'll just let everybody use this right He was talking about tackling preachers. Brother Luther was clapping awful hard back there. I tell you, I don't know. <laughs> kind of made me a little nervous. But we're so happy to be here tonight. I'm going to talk real fast because I don't have a whole lot of time. <laughs> Unless I can get Seth to go back here and turn that clock back for me every now and then. I'll just, Seth, I'll nod at you and you can climb up on that ladder back there and turn it back for a few minutes. All right, so we're going to look in the book of James. You don't have to stand. Just take your Bibles if you want to. James, the first chapter. 14th verse, and it says here, Every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust it hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. 
Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Amen. Now, what I want to talk about is we're, you know, as being the new year, we, we tend to look back and, and we reflect on the things that have happened. A lot of times they'll have specials, um, like who died this, you know, who was famous that died. And, and then we look forward to the future. We're looking to make a new resolution. And, and um, I tell you what, I got tired of making New Year's re- resolutions. I just never could hold to them. But... Um, but, you know, we, we try to look, so what I want to focus on tonight is the word focus, is that if we can not so much look back in the past so much, because we tend to like, the, the, we like to beat up on ourselves a lot, and the devil don't need no help doing that, let me tell you, because he's a, he's a good one for it, and he always reminds you of your past. But, you know, as Paul said in Philippians 3.13, This one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. Now, I don't want to dwell on the things in the past because the Bible doesn't even teach that. It tells us to be looking forward to what great things are ahead of us. Amen. Now, I want to talk to you about overcoming power. Now, I've done used about one minute. (laughs) Counting down here. Overcoming power because... In this day and time, that's what the devil, if he can take away your joy, he's got you whipped. Now, he'll get you whipped for just a little while. But let me tell you something. If we can just look and see what kind of tactics that he uses. But what we have to do is what Paul said here. The first thing we have to do is he says if we're drawn away of our own lust. Now, lust can be any kind of a desire, a natural desire you have, or any kind of physical desire. But you're drawn away of that. By, by your own lust, and when it's conceived, now, we might be tempted by things, but it don't mean you have to give in to them. But, you know, like Brother Ram said, a bird can fly over your head, but you don't have to let it make a nest there. So when it's conceived, when you let that thing in, then it starts sprouting, it starts growing, starts coming out. Now, what happens when it's conceived, it brings forth what? What? Death. Amen. When sin is conceived, it bringeth forth death. Now, what we don't want to do is give the devil a place to that. So if we, if we think about the word focus, let's focus on this next verse. It says, 17, every good gift. Think about the goodness of God, okay? The Bible says that when you pray, you must believe and believe that he is and a rewarder of them, right? Now we say, okay, every good, and when Brother Brandon would pray in the old tapes, he would say, almighty God, author of life and giver of every good gift. He would quote this scripture right here because only, let me tell you something, God gives good gifts. The Holy Ghost is a gift. He don't force it on you. Just like a pardon, a pardon is no good. You can be pardoned, but if you don't receive that pardon, it can't be forced on you. It's a gift to do. You can receive it or you can reject it. And the Holy Ghost is the same way. And it's a gift, it's given to you. He wants to give it to you more than you even want to receive it. It's a precious gift. Amen. Now, he's good. Every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights. He made all the lights, the moon, stars, universe, galaxies, everything that is out there. There's no darkness in him, no shadow of turning. He had, he, all the lights was, was made, everything that was that's made was made by him. Cometh down from the Father of lights, which whom is no variables, no shadow of turning. 
He's the unchanging God. He never changes. Hold to God's unchanging hand. Let me tell you something. The, the politics will change. Your, your taste will change. Everything changes. We know the weather changes. If you don't like the weather here, just wait about five minutes and it'll change. So we know that God is the unchanging God. The sun is always in the same place. But even as, as, as stable as that is, we know by science it's moving too. It, all the galaxies are moving, but God doesn't move, amen. He's always there, the unchanging God. Now think on those things. So when you're having trial, when you're having problems, think about the goodness of God and the unchangeableness of God, okay? Now, of his own will we were begotten, is what he says, with the word of truth. Now, when Satan comes at you with temptations and desires and things like, like that, you can sit there and you can tell him how you feel. You can tell him what you think, and he don't care. He loves that. But let me tell you something he don't like is the word. When you give him the word, he takes running. And you need to speak it out. Just don't, just don't think it a lot of times. Oh, you know, maybe in your mind. But start speaking those words to him. There's something, there's power in the word, in the spoken word. You say, whatever you're tempted with, cigarettes, you say, if, if I defile this temple, God will destroy it. Don't be drunken with wine. If you're tempted to look upon a woman, remember what Jesus said. You've already committed adultery with her in your heart. Start speaking those things out and rebuking the devil with it. God will take those words that you said and he'll amplify it and magnify it and go and defeat the enemy. Now you might have to do it two or three times, but speak it out. Amen. That's how you do it, with the word. Praise God. Now, and we're the first fruits of his creatures. Oh my. Sometimes maybe you think, well, I'm a nobody. I'm just a nothing. I'm an insignificant little person. But let me tell you something. You're the cream of the crop in God's eyes. There ain't nothing better than you are. Let me tell you something. In this day and time that we live in, you're the best that God has for this world. Think about that, devil. Give that to him one time. It's God living in human flesh again. The whole purpose of Christ to come was to sanctify you so that the Holy Spirit can live in you. And when he does, you're not gonna have malice. You're not gonna have hatred. You're not gonna have unforgiveness. You're not gonna have all these things that plague us day and night. But we're gonna be living for him, looking toward his coming, amen? I can't see nothing, so I got to keep this on. Of his own will, he begat us. Why? With the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. That's where I want to be. I got a few more minutes here. Now, we are his first fruits. Now, I want to think about the word focus, and I wrote this down. F-O-C-U-S. Focus, F, forgive one another and yourself. A lot of times we can't get past our past. We can't get past what, what the devil always puts up in front of us. And maybe somebody said something to you or did something to you, or you just can't get past what happened to you as a child. I watch videos of people that are strung out on drugs, homeless, don't have hardly any hope in life. And you can just about every time trace it back to something that happened to them when they were little. Something that happened to them in their life. Somehow the devil got in and, and disrupted the plan that God had for their life. Oh my. But forgive one another and forgive yourself. 
Now, when Jesus said, when you pray, forgive, it wasn't a suggestion. It would be good if you forgive. No, he didn't say that. He said, when you pray, forgive. Now, he wouldn't give you the commandment if he don't give you the power to do what he said to do. A lot of times folks say, well, so-and-so didn't do anything. They haven't shown any remorse yet. They haven't shown me that they're sorry. That has nothing to do with it. For, forgiveness is not for that person. Forgiveness is for you. Jesus said, when you're down praying and you have ought against a brother, go to that brother and make it right. Also, he said it both ways. When you're down praying and a brother has ought against you, go to that brother. Now, you can't always make it right. That's up to him, but that'll be on him. You've done the right thing, amen. Oh, only believe his word. Silence everything else in your life that don't line up with God's word. You kick it out, kick it to the curb, put it in the trash can on trash day, amen. Only believe his word. Silence everything else. C, call on him daily in prayer. Oh, when the trials get hard, when the way gets rough, go to your knees and say, oh, God, help me today. Give me strength. Bless the people in my church. Bless the pastor. Bless my wife. Bless my children. Help me, oh, God. Clean out everything in me that's not like you. Let me hate the things that you hate and love the things that you love, Lord. Put that in my heart, amen. You, unity of the faith, amen. Unity of the brotherhood. Fellowship. Come to church. You can't have a whole lot of unity if you ain't in the body of Christ, if you're not around fellowship with brothers and sisters of like precious faith. Oh my, I got one more minute. S, sanctify your mind. Sanctify your eyes and your body as a living sacrifice unto God. Make it a sacrifice unto him and just say, oh God, sanctify my heart, sanctify my mind, sanctify my old dirty mouth, sanctify my thoughts, Lord. Job said, I've made a covenant with my eyes. We need to make a covenant with our eyes, amen. Do you love him? Let me read that again. Philippians, this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I'm looking for great things this year, you. Amen. I'm looking to grow high, go higher, deeper depths in the love of Christ. Brother Brad, come on. You better get on on your feet. Come on up here, brother. Amen. There you go, brother. I wished I'd went first. Man, it's hard to back something like that. Man, I feel like I'm just going to go over here and play a tape or something. <laughs> Hallelujah. Man. Like Brother Donnie used to say, there's two people, two kinds of preachers that makes him want to preach. One who can and one who can't. <laughs> so, and this is a bad idea to have a microphone in our hand, Brother Joe. Can we take our coat off? <laughs> I'm just a, a dumb old hillbilly. So I went to look up the word exhortation. <laughs> I said, he uses that word a lot. I got to know exactly what it means. So the meaning of that word is, it comes from the Greek word, to call to one side, to summon, to encourage, to admonish, to entreat, a language intended to incite or stir yeah. <laughs> or encourage. So I guess tonight we're here to stir you up. Yeah. 
We're here to encourage. In Psalms 46, 7, now when he told us he was going to be doing this, and I was sitting here praying, and this verse, Lord of hosts is with us, just kept going through my mind. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Oh, hallelujah. We can sit down right there and say it's been good to be here. But what a year that we've had. What a year. I mean, what a time we're living in. It's one of the worstest times ever. Ever. We say that every year. This has been the worst year ever. And it is. It has to be. It's going to get worse. But I believe as a believer of Christ, it's the greatest time we've going to be living in. <laughs> Woo, hallelujah. The world has gone crazy. They've lost their minds. Men don't know who they are. Women don't know who they are. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> they go nuts. Insane. But we sit here tonight in our right mind. <laughs> in our right mind. You know, disasters hitting this world. I mean, just disasters just this year. Floods everywhere, killing people. Earthquakes. Earthquake in Afghanistan killed 1,000 people back in June. We got droughts, earthquakes, fires, hurricanes, all kinds of disasters that's hit this country. The judgments of God. It's not only that. That's not counting the diseases that's on this place. Pitiful. This world is going crazy. The world is being rocked to a core. Earthquakes are shaking this place. The earth is groaning. As we know, Brother Branham said, the earth is groaning for deliverance. Oh, brother and sister, are you groaning for deliverance tonight? Oh, God is shaking us to our core. <laughs> He's wanting to throw off unbelief. He wants to throw off all doubt. All oh, these, just throw it all out. Shake us. Oh, we want to be shook. If you don't want to be shook, come up here. We'll lay hands on you, and we'll start shaking you. Shake us to our core till we can say, Lord Jesus, deliver us from this flesh body that we live in. Hallelujah. Oh, but I believe the natural types the spiritual. The earth is groaning. We should be groaning. We should be like Revelation says, Lord, come quickly, Lord Jesus. should be fervently. We should be groaning for this. Oh, we're seeking that deliverance, and he's a coming. It's, but it's been the worst year. It won't get no better. Uh, we've had death in our families, sickness, cancers in our families, our loved ones, all kinds of things striking this world. But it's going to get worse. I've got bad news, and I've got good news. The bad news is it's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. <laughs> the good news is it's going to get better. It's going to get better. <laughs> Woo, hallelujah. I'm just going to go ahead and say this. If you're sitting here or if you're listening on the internet, <laughs> you listening? If you're not saved and filled with the Holy Ghost and you're just playing games, oh, well, this this morning, come to me. And I was like, no, I'm not going to do this. You better. 
was the voice that spoke to me. So you just take it from him. I'm just a mailman. I'm here just delivering this. If you're just playing games, doing and wearing things that you know that's not right, nobody sees you. Oh, everybody thinks you're doing fine because you're in church and you got your hands raised. Warning. Oh, my goodness. You get mad at the preacher because his voice is condemning your heart. Oh, I've got plenty of time. There goes that preacher again. Year after year, New Year's Eve, the Lord is coming this year. So this is another preacher's going to stand up here and say, the rapture's going to take place this year. And if I'm here next New Year's Eve, the rapture's going to take place then. So we got to be ready. You've got to be ready. I give this warning. I'm going to give it in the way it was given to me just this morning. It's time to stop playing games. If you keep playing around with the world, it's going to get you. Oh, my goodness. Be sure your sins will find you out. If you play with fire, you're going to get burned. Lord, have mercy. When I was just today, this spirit of the Lord just dropping down in that office. <laughs> I said, I better, I better I'd be afraid not to say anything. But this world, like I said, is going to get worse and worse, and sin is greater, and the devil's on a rampage. If you think this is bad, watch what happens next. But I'm going to go ahead and tell you right now, it's the best time ever for the bride of Jesus Christ. <laughs> this year, we've grown more closer to God, more closer to each other. We sit in these services, and I don't know about you, but there's sometimes I feel like I'm about to explode with what's coming across this pulpit. Word of life. That's what we're hearing. Oh, I'm about ready to explode right now. How much more time I got? Too bad. Oh, well, what good times we're having. Hallelujah. If you thought this year was good, <laughs> tomorrow's January the 1st, start of a new year. If you thought this year was good, God said, watch this. Watch what happens next. It's rapture time. Oh, hallelujah. I want to go. Watch what he has in store for you. Psalms 46.1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Whatever you're going through, God's a present help in a time of trouble. Therefore, will not we And though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, Salah. Salah means pause. David got all, got all up in the spirit. He said, God's my refuge and my strength. He's my help. I will not fear. I don't care if the mountains are going to go in the midst of the sea. Pause. We ain't got time. We got to move on. There's a river. The streams whereof shall make glad the city of God. The holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. 
God is in the midst of her and she shall not be moved. Hallelujah. We got to move on. Hallelujah. Man, I lost my place. <laughs> there is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her and right early. Not just early, but right early. You wonder why you get up at five in the morning? God wants to deal with you right early. Before there's a devil up, God's dealing with you. Whatever you're going through, God's already on it. Hallelujah. He's on the job. The heathen raged, the kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice and the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Pause. <laughs> Come and behold the works of the Lord, what desolations he hath made in the earth. <laughs> oh, goodness. He maketh wars to cease unto the end of the earth. He breaketh the bow. He cutteth the spear. In thunder, he burneth the chariot with fire. Then he says, be still. Whatever you're going through, whatever problem you're facing, it seems like God don't answer you, be still. And know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. Final statement. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Pause. It's only been 20 minutes. I got to follow that. <laughs> uh, so um, we, uh, you know, let me, I'm going to start a timer so I don't get lost. The, um, so I want to, uh, I'm going to have to channel my inner Dale Smith auctioneer to get through my material. <laughs> um, so I want to read uh, Judges chapter 16, verses 1 through 3. <clears throat> then Samson, oh, my thing disappeared here. Then went Samson to Gaza and saw there a harlot and went in unto her and was told the Gazite saying, Samson has come hither and they compassed him in and laid wait for him all night in the gate of the city and were quiet all the night saying in the morning, when it is day, we shall kill him. And Samson lay till midnight and arose at midnight and took the doors of the gate of the city and the two posts and went away with them, bar and all, and put them up them upon his shoulders and carried them up to the top of a hill that is before Hebron. Um, 
And I want to read this. Uh, this is from Letting Off the Pressure. It says, you say, well, I wonder, Brother Branham. I don't wonder. It says, you don't wonder. You just let off the pressure, commit your case to God, and go in as if, as if it was all over. Don't build up pressure. It lets off pressure. Well, you say, I'm so worried, Brother Branham. I just don't know. Let off the pressure. Amen. In the city of refuge, he took your worry, so you don't have to have it. Cast your cares on him, for he cares for you. Don't you worry about your cares. That's his business. All right, so I want to take this. Um, some of y'all might remember the last time I, I ministered, I had a, uh, I, I might have mentioned, I was talking about, you know, like the gates of hell and whatnot, and I had mentioned that the gates of hell keep you in, not, keep, yeah, they keep you in, don't, they don't keep you out. And uh, I said I was going to get back to that. Well, here it is. Um, <laughs> so um, so I, I like this story of, of Samson because here he is. He's going into the city doing something that he knew he wasn't supposed to be doing, right? And he gets himself in this situation where he's completely transgressed so much of what the commandments of God are and then has to use a gift that God put in his life to get him back out. And I always identified with this because so many times... I'm sure, you know, as we all have done, we've gotten to situations where we knew better than to get ourselves in there. And now, then we got to get it. Then it's God delivers us and gets us back out. But then to me, the story isn't really about what Samson, you know, Samson in the city. It's what he does after the, after that. Right. Because it says that he carried those gates on his shoulders to a hill outside of Hebron. Now, if any of you have ever actually looked how far Hebron is from Gaza, it's about 35 miles. It wasn't like he just, you know, ripped them off the hinges and set them down. He packed those gates for 35 miles. And, you know, you figure average walking speed, that's like 12 to 14 hours of walking. So he does this at midnight, and he's done setting them down till 2 o'clock the next day. And you think, when in that time, what's going through his head? You know, sure he got delivered, but the agony of that situation is just crushing him for 35 miles. And it just doesn't go away. And so the whole time, the battle, the battle in Giza took how long? Five minutes? The, the battle after the battle wow. took 14 hours. Wow. And so, so many times we'll get in a situation and God will deliver us and we'll be delivered. A lot of times situations that we got ourselves into and then we'll pack the guilt of that for 35 years. Or we'll pack, you know, you get healing in your body. You know, those gates of hell are trying to trap you in that depression, trap you in that sin, trap you in that sickness. And then the Lord will deliver you and then for the next, the rest of your life, you know, whatever, whatever that is, oh, well, I got delivered of this sickness, but what if it comes back, right? And it's that constant, those gates just sitting on your shoulders, you know, the gates of hell just crushing him the whole time. And it just never went away. And so he's, he's carrying these gates, and I, I picture them in my mind, like so many of us, you know, carrying that, that guilt of some past thing, um, I know I've had some experience with this. I know there's, I've met a lot of people who've struggled with this. It seems like a common thing. Um, 
you know, you hear, especially when you, I think when you're raising the message, you're so exposed to a lot of what certain quotes and things, scriptures, a lot of times the devil will take certain scriptures and will use those against you, right? The devil's, the devil's really good at using scriptures against you. I mean, you see this precedent, you know, first thing he does with, with Jesus is throw scripture at him, you know? And so how many times, especially teenagers who grew up in the message are, you know, maybe late teens, even young teens who are sitting there growing up and have had struggles with certain things. And now they're might've even got deliverance from certain things. And yet will grow up into adulthood struggling, the devil constantly telling them, oh, well, you sinned and you're, there's no redemption for you. You send your day, day of grace away. That time at that meeting where you could have got deliverance and the minister called you up and you felt that pull and you didn't go, that was your last day. I mean, I know, I've met, I mean, I know this happens. I know this happens. I've, I know adults who have went 15 years struggling with this stuff. Have the Holy Ghost. And the devil still got them wound up on this. And when they were delivered years ago, and they're still carrying gates. And this is, and so, you know, and he, so here's Samson, like so many of us, carrying gates of guilt or depression, you know, just, just, even though you're delivered, it just doesn't go away. You're still carrying this. Well... He, it says that he, and, and then, then he, he, he goes and carries him up a mountain, right? It's not, it's not, you know, so here he is, he's got all this, all these, these burdens and he's trudging up this mountain, right? And it said that he, he set them down on the hill outside of Hebron. In the Strong's, it actually says, translates that as the mountain that overlooks Hebron. So here he is climbing this mountain and I imagine... That, so I, question, I thought, why Hebron of all the places, right? All these cities, why did he pick Hebron? Hebron is a city of refuge. Amen. And, I mean, I don't know that's what he was thinking, but I was thinking it. <laughs> and I imagine, in my mind, here's Samson bearing all this guilt and shame, and as he crests that hill, he looks down on Hebron, and that is what gives him that moment of realization. All I have to do to get out from under this crushing burden is just let go. It's, he didn't have to go do something special. Just let it go. Just stop. <laughs> and <laughs> I, how many times do we do this? Where we're dragging our burdens and our all these these things, some some you know condemnation that the devil put on you of something that you did so many years ago, and you're still beating yourself up for it. Let it go. There's a city of refuge. Once you go into that city of refuge, they can't follow you anymore. Your sins stop at the gate. There's a um. I'll, um, I'll, I'll wrap it up with this. Um, 
is also from letting off the pressure. It says, now if, if you want to do right, I'm so glad tonight to tell you that there is a city of refuge that Jesus Christ, that's Jesus Christ. If you don't want to do wrong, the enemy's after you, then there's a way of escape, and that escape is Jesus Christ. There is a place where you can come and let off the steam. And so whatever pressure the world has got you under, right? Your own past, your own memories, your own, that, that fear in your head, well, oh, well, I got healed, but what if it comes back? You know, did I really get healed? The answer is yes, you really did get healed. And whatever that, whatever that lie is that's just crushing you down, go to that city of refuge and get your deliverance. And Caleb. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Just going to go right into the scripture here. Look at the time. Perfect. Good to be in the house of the Lord. First uh, Kings 17, one, I'm just going to take a little thought on seasons. And Elijah the Tishbite, First Kings 17, one, and Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, as the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word, and the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, that I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. And he went and did according to the word of the Lord. For he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, and bread and flesh in the evening. And he drank of the brook. And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up, because there had been no rain in the land. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. We're going to turn over to Psalm 61, and we're just going to read two, two verses. It says, Hear my cry, O God, attend unto my prayer, and from the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed. Who's ever had that prayer before? When my heart is overwhelmed, but it doesn't say that there's a colon. It says, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. And when I was reading this scripture, the thought that just came up on my heart was, you know, we have these, these seasons that we go through in our life. And every believer is at a different season, a season of development that we're going through. Sometimes it can feel, like David says here, that your heart can just feel so overwhelmed by it. You feel overwhelmed by what you're going through. You feel overwhelmed by, by the weight of the world. You feel overwhelmed by the pressures. And, it, and it's as low as, you know, you can be a young child all the way up. You know, your seasons change. But that overwhelmed feeling can maybe stay there for a long time. But we have something to look to. We have a rock that is higher than ourselves. We have something that we, that we can take a place of refuge in. Amen. When Brother Burley was ministering uh, Christmas morning, he said something that struck my heart. It tied directly in with this, with something the Lord has been dealing with me. He talked about how, you know, he'll be reading something and maybe he doesn't quite understand it. 
and that he could be pondering that thing in his mind for long periods of time. But then maybe he hears a message preached, or maybe he hears a tape of the prophet, or maybe, maybe something happens, and, and then the light of revelation just strikes him. And when that light of revelation strikes, no devil in hell can take that away from you, because that is now something that the Lord has done for you. You had a question on your heart. You had something that you were going through. You had a, a struggle, a trial, something, but you were led to the rock that was higher than you. Your heart felt overwhelmed, but you were led to that rock that was higher than you. Glory to God. I think that's such an important foundation for believers to realize in, the, in any day, in any age that you're at. Because when you give your heart to the Lord, when the Lord, when the Lord pulls you in, you don't just automatically, when you're, you know, you get the gift of the Holy Ghost, you don't just automatically enter into the, uh, a fully matured state. You have to go through seasons in your life. You have to go through seasons of development, seasons of change, where the Lord is growing you. It, it, you know, you, you, have, you have the Elijah here. You have him go into this brook. He, he prophesied here, right? He, he was sustained. He, was, he prophesied that there's going to be a drought on the land. And every meal was brought to him by this scripturally unclean bird and by the brook of the water. But the Lord was training him for something. The Lord had him take a detour. Imagine if he had to go to, he had this commission on his life to go to Zarephath. And there was gonna be a widow woman there. There was gonna be a need there. There was gonna be something that would go down in the ages. To this day, people read that story and have been found delivered of that, of delivered of something because they have this widow woman that they can look at in the scriptures and they can see, oh my goodness, something happened there and it can happen for me too. Her heart was so overwhelmed by something but she was able to be found at a rock that was higher than herself. Glory to God. But what did Elijah have to go through? He had to go through a season of development. He had to go through that brook. He had to be sustained by this unclean bird that didn't, it didn't make any sense to the world. Sometimes the things we go through, they don't make sense to the world. They don't make sense to what your friends. They don't make sense to things. But God has something in plan for you. He has something in order. And it may not be for yourself. It may be for your brother or your sister who whoever it is for, but he has a rock that he has, and he's, it's leading you to that rock. Glory to God. It was time for him to go into this next phase now. He had been, he had, he had this trust. He learned how to trust. He learned how to be, a, he was a prophet the whole time. He was always ordained, but God had to lead him to this place where he could trust just a little bit more. He had to lead him to this place of compassion where he could have compassion for this little widow woman who she had nothing to sustain her. He had just been in that situation where he had nothing to sustain him. But now, so now he could see what she was going through. Sometimes we go through things just so that we can see what this person has gone through. We go through these things so that we can have a rock that is higher than ourselves to look upon. Glory to God. He uses those seasons in our life to grow us and to mature us. They are to instruct us and to teach us. Oh my, I'm sorry, brother, I'm moving. Uh, Psalms 32, 8, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. Oh man, what, how many, how long has it been? Uh, I don't got so excited, I forgot. Oh, okay, Lord, forgive. All right. Okay, I shared this with some brothers some months ago during some men's breakfast, and it's something that the Lord just, you know, I desire 
a greater walk with the Lord. I think we can all raise our hands and say that. I desire a greater knowledge of the word. I desire a greater knowledge of the message. I desire a greater revelation. I wanna be further at than where I am right now. And sometimes I can look at that scripture and I can feel overwhelmed by it. All these sermons, all, these, all this word, there's so much, Lord. I just wanna sit down at a table and eat it all up, but I can't. That is not how the Lord does it. He has you go through seasons in your life so that you can develop. He has you go through things in your life so that you can, so you can be sustained, so that you can learn from him. We can't just enter into a state of full maturity. We have to go through our seasons. We have to go through our times. That's how the Lord designs it. He designs that for a specific purpose. Hallelujah. And maybe it's just like what Brother Burley said. Maybe you have something on your heart, even tonight, that you've been pondering for a long time. But if you keep your heart sincere and you devote yourself to seeking after a greater experience with the Lord Jesus, he's going to take you into that further experience. He's going to take you and he's going to lead you into the rock that is higher than yourself. Glory to God. Maybe it'll be a sermon by a brother preached and the light of revelation will strike. Or maybe it'll be as simple as you're just driving home and you're having a conversation with your wife and she just says something and it strikes you and you had that question in your heart and then it was answered and then man there's a jubilee oh praise God thank you Jesus glory to God Oh, sometimes we, we're, we look at ourselves and, man, I wish I was farther down the road than I am. I have that every morning I get up. I wish I was farther down the road. Oh, but friends, you're not what you used to be. And just remember that. Oh, we're not what we used to be. We may not be what we need to be, but we're not what we used to be. And we're striving for something greater. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And until you are in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, until we are in our raptured condition, we've all got some growing to do, amen? We're all attaining to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, as it says in Ephesians. Amen, and that's what I wanna strive for, a more mature walk in Jesus Christ, walking towards perfection. Oh, a faith-filled prayer life, seeking after the fruits of the Spirit, always having the attitude, thy will be done. Nevertheless, I have desires, but thy will be done. Glory to God. Let's take this new year in whatever season that you're in and press towards the rock that is higher than yourself. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's all stand to our feet. You can be seated. <laughs> Ephesians 6, Brother Ethan, if you could put that up. <clears throat> Have you enjoyed the preaching? Yeah. Amen. The Word of God. My goodness. Talking about a Roman candle, just one after the next. I just enjoyed it thoroughly. And maybe I'm <clears throat> here tonight just... Uh, Feeling a little bit less, uh, more, uh, not so uh, much in a high gear, but in a low gear. Just something heavy upon my heart. The Lord has just uh, instructed me to speak on just for a few minutes that I got. And I'm not good at keeping time, so 808, um, I'm going to start. I almost uh, hesitated to even, uh, what, what I'm going to say here. I'm going to share a testimony, just something that the Lord did uh, here recently for me. And, uh, and so I, I, I was a little bit. What I'm going to share, I'd be totally comfortable sharing here with all my friends and family in the local church here. But sometimes the Lord does some things, and maybe you'd be hesitant to just tell anybody 
Um, so I almost was tempted to kill the live stream and just mute the audio. Don't worry, I won't do that to you. You'll still be able to hear me. But uh, we'll just see how the Lord leads, if I, we keep it up or not. I just don't know. There's something very uh, unique that the Lord did uh, in my life and uh, just here recently. And so I'm going to share it. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. We'll just begin reading. Uh, actually, let's let's hold the scripture just to save time. Instead, I'm just going to I'm just going to paraphrase a few things here that I have in my notes. I thought it was incredible, and the scripture that I was going to read was Ephesians six that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and spiritual wickedness in high places. thought it was amazing, Brother Brad, that what you've had upon your heart stirring you was the Lord of hosts, which I know we've taught on that here before, and that English translation for Lord of hosts is the God of angel armies. And if I could title this here tonight, <clears throat> I would title it, Angels Are Appearing. And it's amazing. I'm going to read you something here that Brother Branham says in the message. And I've got quite a few quotes. And I hope that's all right here tonight. And I probably won't get any more excited than I am right now. And so uh, just listen up close. There won't be a crescendo. Just have a lot of, just want to share personally just how the Lord led me. Uh, but it's, it's amazing. Brother Branham says this, and I'm going to read it here in a moment, that Brother Branham says that in the Laodicean church age, the last age, that angels appear. And I thought that was amazing. I could highlight it here and I'll have it here for a moment, uh, here in a moment. But I thought it was incredible <clears throat> that 2023, coming into 2023, that the Lady of age will have lasted as long as the Ephesian age. The Ephesian church age went for 117 years. And in 2023, January 1, I hope I didn't steal your thunder if you're going to share this. Um, this age will have gone as long as the first age, the first alpha, the last omega. And you know, Brother Branham, when he introduces the messenger in the church age book, if you read the church age book and at the beginning, the messenger, Brother Branham begins to talk about how that no age really recognized their messenger when he was on the scene. But he says, but in this age, it'll be a quick, rapid work. And Brother Branham says this, he says, events will transpire rapidly. And so there's an acceleration that happens in this last age. I want to read you just a few things. Brother Ethan, if you could put that up here. I did get this uh, Logitech remote changed out. should be this one right here, so it should work for me. I'm just going to read through these quickly. Brother Branham says, in the harvest time, I don't want to bring you conscious of that. And this is just something uh, that I, I don't, maybe I don't have control. Might have, and no, I got it off, okay. Um, Brother Branham says this about the Ephesian age, and he makes this comment. He says that what had happened, and he's speaking at the end of the age after it had went off into uh, sin and, 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 and had, Brother Branham had said, the only thing left was just a little squalid village with a few, few believers left. And he said they had forgotten their first love. And Brother Branham takes it further than the King James, and he says, what did that mean? It meant that they had lost the glory or the wonder of their message. They had lost the glory and the wonder. So when God comes and he came on the scene in the book of Acts, there was a wonder. Uh, there was something special about it. 
And he said they had lost that wonder and they had lost that glory. I thought about that here tonight. I knew I would just be speaking and I thought if I could do anything in this testimony, I just want to remind us of the glory and the wonder of our message. Brother Branham says, and I'm going to just take a few minutes to show you how close that other dimension, there's an angelic dimension and then there's a demonic dimension. I'm going to show you how close that dimension is to the dimension that you're living in right now, because it's very close. We know from the teaching of the message that, that that man always lives in a multidimensional environment, that what you see here physically, what you hear here naturally is not all there is to see, and that's not all there is to hear. But Brother Branham says man lives in a multi, they talk about a multiverse or the metaverse. It's very real. And that's, a, that's, that's not an accident that the metaverse is becoming uh, popular as in a buzz thing right now more than ever before virtual reality. And remember in Countdown, Brother Branham points to the making of the automobile as man doing something naturally and God was doing something supernaturally. You remember that in Countdown? Talks about the airplane and the, the, and the, the astronaut and the spaceship. And so that, that metaverse, that multidimensional realm that science is tapping into and talking about, it's very real. And Brother Branham teaches us that if you're a Christian, if you're a believer, I'm going to make this very simple. If you're a Christian and you've been born again, that's what it means to be a Christian, then when you die, you go into the sixth dimension. We know there's seven and that we live here in between a heaven and a hell and the influences from both. And Brother Branham says, if you're a believer, you go into that sixth dimension and he says it's a place of paradise. It's a place where you're at rest. It's a place where you're at peace. It's where the dead in Christ go uh, to be young people again and young bodies again, celestial bodies, waiting for the day when the Lord Jesus will return back to this dimension. And, and Brother Branham says, if you die and you go into a theophany, then you'll take that theophany and you'll pick up this body that's laying in the dust and you'll raise it up. And he says, and this body and that body will make up a glorified body. And he says, and if you're here, as Paul said, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. If you're here alive physically at the coming of the Lord, then this body, that theophany comes to this body, vice versa, right? And so Brother Branham says that if you die, you go into that where the dead in Christ go. And he says, he says that you're in a body that's incorruptible, it's immortal, uh, and it's, and it's going to be ready to reign with Christ in the new heaven and the new earth. But he says, if you're an unbeliever, which is how you were born, if you're a sinner uh, who missed or failed to heed the voice of the Lord while you were in earth, if you failed to heed that call, not just, not just give attention to it, but to surrender to that knocking. Remember, Brother Brandon says he's only obligated to knock one time. And so he says, if you failed to heed to that, or you never surrendered to that, that means that you've rejected the gospel. I never rejected the gospel. Brother Branham says, to reject the, the, the Holy Ghost is to take the mark of the beast. And so if you reject that, meaning you never surrender to that and you breathe your last breath, he says, then you go to a place called the fifth dimension. And Brother Branham says it this way. He says, oh, it's that horrible dimension, like a nightmare. 
and 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 he says where this it's where the souls of the wicked and the imprisoned await that final great white throne judgment to be judged according to the deeds in their body. Listen to what the prophet says. I want you to be conscious of that before we approach further, that God is in this room, not in heaven. He's in this room. Now in this room now is coming human beings, forms of human beings, passing through how I'm gonna finish this in 10 minutes is gonna be a miracle. Hope you believe in them. Passing through here from all around the world, voices singing in this room right now, but you see you're only limited in your senses to a certain percent of sight. Then it's got, it's got to be somewhere, hid from our eyes. The same thing is passing through here now as passed through here when Abraham heard God say, look up towards the stars. It was when Elijah said on Mount Carmel, it was when Adam was here, but they just now discovered it. And so is God here and the angels. Where, Brother Matt? In this room. And someday it'll be just as much reality or tele as television or anything else because the Spirit will bring us, this body, into that immortal life. And he says, then we'll understand. Present stage of my ministry in a light, matter, time, and our five senses contact them dimensions. Our sight contacts light, our feeling contacts matter. But we have contact through science, the fourth dimension as it was, because coming right through this building now comes pictures, voices of radio, pictures on television that our senses do not does not contact that, yet they have a tube or a crystal that picks up those ether waves and manifests them. So you see, right in this building right now is live actions of people in the air, live voices. They're here. We know it. They're absolutely absolutely the truth. The only thing that catch it on, I don't understand the mechanics of those things science has invented, but we know that proves that there's a fourth dimension. Now the fifth dimension is where the sinner, the unbeliever dies and goes to. I went into uh, third gear here. The fifth dimension is the kind of, well, horrible dimension. Now this man, when a Christian dies, he goes into the sixth dimension and God is in the seventh dimension. Now then you see when a Christian, when he dies, he goes under the altar of God, right into the presence of God, under the altar, and here's what's wonderful, and he's at rest. Yeah. To break it down, when a man has a nightmare, he's not altogether asleep, neither is he awake. He's between asleep and awake, and that's what makes him have a horrible shaking and screaming because he's not asleep, he's not awake. And to take that shows where a man goes when he dies unconverted. He's lived his time up. He's dead on earth. He can't go into the presence of God because he's not fit to go there without the blood, and he's caught. He can't come back to earth because he's finished his time and he's caught between, he's in a nightmare. He can't go into the presence of God to rest. He can't come back to earth because his time's up. He's in a nightmare and there he stays until the day of judgment, a horrible thing to be in, see? Now in this vision, I believe I was caught to that sixth dimension. Looking back, I could see back. He says, and sight isn't exactly with the eyes that's earthly. That's became more real to me than it's ever been before. Sight isn't, just what we see here earthly, but sight is greater thing. The sight that they have there, their contact is far beyond any contact that our natural senses would contact. Brother Branham goes, and I'm gonna read a few of these. Now, the same thing is wrong with you is wrong with that woman sitting over there looking yonder. I'm gonna skip these. We're, we're gonna have to. I had these, but that's all right. Brother Branham says, now, friend, you may think that's wrong, but some of these days you'll realize if you could only take a spiritual looking glass and look into your soul, you doubt, you'd find out what it looks like. And the greatest devil and the chief of all devils is unbelief. We got to go, and how do you know this is leading of the Spirit of God? That's where I wanted to come to. 
And how do you know that we all won't be gone before morning? We don't know it. You say, that worries me. It shouldn't. Frankly, it should make you the most happy to know that you're leaving this old pest house. There's another world. You don't have to leave very far. It's right with you. It's right with you. You don't have to leave very far. You just, God only give you five senses. That's the context so much of this world. But there's another world that you haven't got any senses to contact. You can't contact it because you don't have it. For instance, I said Sunday night, maybe you didn't get it. We got five senses, see, taste, smell, uh, see, taste, feel, smell, and hear. But what if you didn't have the sight? You just had taste, feel, smell, and hear. Somebody received their sight and said, there's another world, son. Them, them feelings, you bump into things, you were blind. And what is it can tell you what it is. Why do you think the person was crazy? Because you don't have that sense of sight. Nobody ever had it. You know of. You've heard of people that said such things as that, but you doubted. But we know by this sense that it's real. He's talking about trying to tell a blind person what it means to see. And he says, but we know by this sense that it's real. It's a real place. It's a place where you can see your senses declared that. Now, the only thing you do when you die, you just change those five senses, glory. You just receive another sense. And you're alive with the higher sense. Thousands of times higher than this in another life. A life where there's no death. There's no sorrow. And the things that you don't know nothing about now, you see it plainly when you cross there. You don't understand it now because you're bumping into it. Wait, did we read that right? What are we doing when we come into the house of God and the preaching of the word goes forth and you feel that atmosphere? You're bumping into it. You start worshiping the Lord and you feel the presence come down. It's a real world. It's a real place. You can tap into it. And he says, you bump into it. You say, I, I, I feel a strange feeling here tonight. Looks to me like there's, I just want to cry or shout or something. It's the angels of the Lord, see? This is the junction of time. Angels appear in the end time. All the prophets signpost points saying this day that angels will appear. Prophets will arise, signs and wonders. And if God did that for those little junctions back there, what will he do now when all hell turned loose? All heaven will turn loose. And then he says it again, angels appearing. Signs and wonders on earth and counterfeits arising, God proving which is right and wrong. Amen. Can I go in overtime? Is that all right? Just for a few minutes. I got the pastor approval. Some of his time. Angels appearing. <clears throat> I want to testify just for a moment Amen. about something that took place very unexpectedly to me. And uh, would maybe I'm just going to speak just as I, I'm just going to say it because if I think too much about it, I'll, I'll, I'll spend a lot more time trying to tell it. But something took place when I was in just here recently. We went out to minister for Brother Dale, who I think might be streaming here tonight, and uh, went out there to minister in Flagstaff. And I, I was there in the office just preparing for the Sunday morning service. I had to preach that morning. And, uh, and they were singing in the back, the worship service. And I was going to preach the same thought that I preached here the last time I spoke, anointed by the supernatural. And I spoke on that in three parts, I think, here. 
And I was preparing just as I normally would for any time. I was going to preach just in the back, nothing unnormal, uh, praying and waiting on the Lord, meditating, seeking the Lord. And I was just back there in Brother Dell's office, and they were singing, and there's a window right in front of the, uh, as you sit at the desk there, and then there's a leather chair as you're sitting. You got the computer here and a big window. You could look out beautiful, Flagstaff here. And then there's a leather chair here and a leather chair here and a desk. And I was just there um, uh, preparing and, and I was preparing my notes and I, and the Lord just put it upon my heart because I was going to testify about the man, Marcus Humphrey, brother Travis's friend who was healed of stage four non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And I was going to give that testimony and I had some of his photos in my PowerPoint slides and I was just making going throughs. They were singing. I wasn't really, there was a screen there where that I could see if I wanted to the audience and I could hear very quietly what they were singing. I was just there preparing my notes and, and the Lord just, Holy Spirit just spoke to me and said, add because in that testimony of Marcus, I testified to his wife, Mary, about Sister Elena Butts from uh, Evening Light at Brother Tim Pruitt's church, how that she was also diagnosed with the same stage four non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And when I told that to his wife and showed her the PET scans of her, and now you have Marcus, and so the, you could just feel the faith in that that living room rise when we, when we started to testify about that. So I thought, I'm going to share those pictures. So I, I went to get on. I knew that it was on Elena's, Sister Elena's Facebook. I had read it. She testifies every year about the same time as an annual anniversary. And so I went on there and I'm pulling down the notes and I paste them into my notes and I'm reading them. And she's starting to testify about how that I went to church that Sunday morning and the doctors had given me this diagnosis and something was very different about that day. And they they were singing the song leaning on the everlasting and as I'm reading those words that that I, that I had pasted leaning on the everlasting arms I my 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 mind went in sync with the brother who was singing the song service leaning on the everlasting arms word for word and at that moment that was enough to make me you know, thankful and thank Lord. That's just a supernatural confirmation. I'm about to go out here and preach this. And as I'm reading this, he's singing it. And it was just right at that moment, something happened. It's beyond any, anything that's ever happened to me before. Uh, supernaturally, I've spoken in tongues many times. I've testified about that here and was one of the most supernatural experiences I've ever had out of the body kind of experience um, the first time, meaning it's ha I've spoken tongues many times since then, but that first initial time was just something so special about it. I thought I'll never, never could, could how could you ever criticize that? So wonderful. And, and but this, what happened, this far outweighs that. And just in that moment through the left window, a whirlwind just came right through the window. And when it came through it, and it sat right on the leather chair. And I knew it was the angel of the Lord. And I can't, I don't have words I could describe it. I don't have, I don't, I would be, I was speechless at the time and the moment that it took place. And I, and I just sat there and, and I'm going to say this, let me just say this. I never physically with my two eyes seen anything, seen, seen, seen the angel of the Lord. But I, what I seen supernaturally was greater than anything I can see here looking at your faces. That's why I said when Brother Branham says sight is not just limited to earthly. There's no way to describe it. Never had anything happen like it. But that, that I, I said it, I think, to my wife this way. 
what came through that window was not a presence, it was a person. And when it sat on that chair, that leather chair right there, I couldn't speak. I was, I was scared. I was so, so scared. I, I, I told my dad immediately after I got out of that, I texted him a long text. I said, I have to tell you about what happened. I have no explanation for it. I said, I was so frightened. I was shaking. I was so scared. <clears throat> but I said, but maybe scared isn't the right word. But yet it is the right word. I wasn't fearful. It wasn't no fear inside of me. But there was a fear, not a, someone said maybe like a reverence. That's not what it was. It was like a fear. It was, it was, it was a, I was scared, hard to just, hard, it's like an oxymoron. But it was just the Lord there. And I knew at that moment, what it felt to me was that the Lord said, I'm coming to take charge right now. And in a way that's never happened out of any time I've ever preached the gospel, the Lord just took charge right there in that moment, very, very special moment. There wasn't no anxiety. There wasn't no fear like that, but it was just a, a, a something there that I, I couldn't. Then when I finally could speak, I just started crying uncontrollably. I mean, just pouring, weeping my heart out before I could even get words out. And I thought for a moment, if they call me out right now, I'm, I'm not going to be able to go out to preach right now. I couldn't. I was not in a state where I could speak. And, 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 and I just felt the presence of the Lord there in that moment. And I, I don't know why the Lord did it. I, I've, I, I, as I said, I preached on that, what I've preached here. I don't know why he did it. It was very unexpected the way that it happened. But I just, I texted my dad. I said, I don't even know hardly what to say right now. I'm in the office now after preaching. And, and, and it was, I just, for that moment when I knew that the Lord was there, I just said, Lord, I'm just going to, I know you're here. And I felt like I know that you're here for a mission for somebody but can I just have a moment, Lord, to give you some of my needs just in this moment? And I begin to just to pour my heart out to the Lord. And I remember standing up, and when I went out to the platform, I still was real broken up, couldn't hardly even speak. I knew the Lord was still there. And I opened the door, and I got a text as I, as I got done preaching. And it was from a brother from Georgia, very well-known, good friend of mine. And his daughter happened to be visiting in Flagstaff. And she was in that service. I didn't know who she was. He said, Brother Matt, and he didn't know. He wasn't at the service. He said, Brother Matt, he said, I, I wanted to testify to you about something that happened. He says, my daughter, who's not a very extremely emotional person, he said, when the door opened and you walked out, he said, a presence came and my daughter said, Dad, I just started crying uncontrollably. I couldn't help it. He hadn't even said the first word. And she said, I was just weeping and bawling. At that moment, Sister Joanne said she was in the hospital with Brother Dale and she had a supernatural experience there in the hospital room. Another sister after the service texted and said, I had a, she was streaming from at home. She says, and I, I don't know if the sister, this is something uh, maybe unique to her, but she texted and just Sister Joanne, she said, at home, home, as Brother Matt started speaking, I started speaking in unknown tongues, and it just wouldn't stop. I know the Lord was doing something special at that moment. I received multiple uh, testimonies after that, have since then of supernatural healings, one of arthritic, arthritic pain in the hand, another, the girl who was up there, I didn't know that was her, uh, there in the prayer line. But when she came up for prayer, I, I knew all I can describe, the only way I can say it, and the only reason I even testify about this, it surely isn't to say anything about me at all, 
It's just if I could do anything, and that's to increase our faith to say angels are appearing. Angels are appearing. That dimension is pressing into this dimension. And I, and I knew when I was there in that prayer line, I just, they would speak their needs. And I said, you told him. He heard you say it. Now we're going to pray. I, I left there, as I, as I said, I'm going to end right here. But I struggled. I remember leaving, walking back to the back office, and I struggled to even leave the office. I couldn't leave. It's like I didn't want to. I didn't want to leave that 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 office, and I just stared at that chair that was there. You say, brother Matt, what does it mean? It means that God is here, the devil is here, demons are here, angels are here. And Brother Branham says it in one place. Brother Joe shared this with me months ago. How brother a quote where Brother Branham says, "Angels are here trying to accumulate faith." Demons are here trying to accumulate doubt, but angels are here trying to energize your faith. I just raise my hand and say, Lord, let angels energize me. If that's their desire here tonight to press in, how many would say that with a hand and say, Lord, may your angels come and minister to my family, to my children, to my home, sicknesses, mental health, physical health, emotional health. I want to be a recipient of it right now. Give the Lord a hand clap of You love the Lord. Amen. The um, services like this, you, you almost, um, you almost just say, "My, we needed a full service for everything we heard tonight." And um, it's been a great privilege for me to hear that. I was glad to hear that testimony. I remember, ironically, um, Matt texted me that on the Sunday morning. And I had just testified to you that Sunday morning. We had just dismissed only a little while when I got the text from him saying he had a supernatural experience. And I thought that he must have heard the testimony I gave about the place I went in prayer and took all of y'all with me. And we went into a pavilion. Amen. And that same day, my son was also having, and, and I got outside that day and other brothers were saying, you know, amazingly, just recently, a strange thing happened to me. Brother Joe was telling me laying on his couch and some different things happened. And I got some texts and phone calls from other people saying this, that, or the other. I'm going to tell you something, friends, we're close. We're close. We're close. I, I was thinking about all I heard tonight. I thought, my I'm going to, I'm never going to forget the word focus. <laughs> that was amazing. You know, I, I loved brother Joe's very first when he's, um, he's, is that an acronym or an acrostic? But he's, he's using the F in focus and he starts out with forgiveness. And you know, what a lot of people don't realize is, you know, this is the, I mean, this is the age of perfect love. This is what we're to come to. And that cast out fear and that, that paves the way for forgiveness because we've been forgiven for so much. And I, I, I've said it in all in pulpits around the globe, reminding people that there are two unpardonable sins, not just one. One is to blaspheme the Holy Ghost, but the other sin that is not forgivable is the refusal to forgive. 
Because Jesus said, if you won't forgive your brother his trespasses, your heavenly father will not forgive you your trespasses. And so to forgive is not only a privilege, but a requirement. My goodness, I, 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 thought, I thought I was going to take off and, and blast off uh, with Brother Joe, and then Brother Brad comes up behind it. And every, it seemed like everything that was coming was conducive to the thought that's even on my heart for tonight. And, you know, I, I, I kept reminding myself of that quote where Brother Brad was talking about, I, I, I wish I could have found that quote and handed it to him real fast, where Brother Branham talks about that. He says, listen, there'll be no peace till Jesus comes. You just mark that down. You say, why does every age get worse? Because it has to. A prophet was saying that in 1964, 1965. He says, I'll tell you something. It will get, thus saith the Lord, it'll get worse and worse and worse. It cannot get better. The world is shaking. And so I, I, I just, I agreed with my brother tonight. I said, shake me, Lord. Oh, I need a shaking from the Lord. My, and, and, and the good news, I, I thought about, Brother Brad, when you were talking about good news and bad news, and I, I remember years ago when the, the, boy, the boys used to listen to that Odyssey and, um, you know, um, um, the, uh, the, 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 um, the inn and all that, and uh, Wits Inn. And, and you remember Eugene. And Eugene, he ran in one day and he said, Hey guys, I got some good news and some news that pretty well cancels the good news. <laughs> oh my, I thought about it. You know, I thought about it. It doesn't matter what good news they have. You know, they can say the stock market's up, but I got news that'll kind of cancel that. <laughs> say, oh, the Democrats are saying, oh, we held on to the Senate. That's fine, but I got news that'll kind of cancel that. The Republicans say, we took the house. Well, I got news that's going to kind of cancel that good news. The world is perishing. And it must get worse and worse. I'm glad that I can give you some news tonight that there's no downside to. Oh, my. There's no bad news to the coming of the Lord. The rapture is on, friends. My, 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 my. I thought about... Um, I thought about Brother Matt. I tell you, Brother Matt, I've never thought about that. Here, here, I mean, the way, especially the way Matt says it, he has that Dr. Smith way. And he says, you know, the battle only took five minutes. And as soon as he said that, I already knew what was coming. I just about fell on the floor. He said, but then he carried it for 14 hours. Five minutes versus 14 hours. Friends, I hope you caught that tonight. I hope you realize that the city of refuge is just in front of you. Whatever you've been carrying, don't let the devil. Humanity has a terrible propensity for, to worry about things and fret over them of things that happened years ago. You can't do anything about it. The city of refuge is in front of you. Throw it down. Don't let that hang on you. You're, you're entitled to be free. It's your inheritance. My, throw those gates down. Let it go. <laughs> Hebron is just before you. Brother Caleb, blew my mind with that one, brother. No matter your season, I took such courage from that. No matter your season. Can I say to you today, don't fight your season. You know why? Because you're fighting nature and God works in nature. 
So don't fight seasons. That's the way God does. Like Brother Caleb said, you know, here, here's something I'd like to eat it all at once, but God brings it out and makes you go through it. God's working out something in our lives. But here's the beautiful part. There's always higher ground. Your season might be different from mine, but I got higher ground. You got higher ground. Oh, I'm not fighting the seasons anymore, friends. I just say, Lord, whatever season you need me to go through, I'm not going to fight it because that's fighting God. Because you're fighting nature. Nature comes in seasons. God doesn't even grow a blade of grass overnight. My goodness. Oh, I, I, I had did the math myself some fairly recently when I started looking at the Laodicean age. Because Brother Ram talks about it was the shortest of all the ages. And that's absolutely true. Because for the church... The whole age is already closed to them. That, that whole denominational system is sealed away under judgment. We're only stretching out history because there's not an eighth historical age. See, so, so absolutely that, that age uh, for the church was very short. But our historical age, it, I, and, I, and I had recently did the math myself and I said, my goodness, we're right on the cusp of the alpha and the omega coming into perfect blending. Do you know something, friends? I was, I was um, watching a documentary on the History Channel, and they were talking about, because it, it reminded me, because Matt was saying, he read the quote and showed us where this is the time where angels are appearing. And you know, there's, they're all abuzz now, and governments, never before, governments always, they always wouldn't talk about, <clears throat> you know, unidentified objects in the heavens, aerial, aerial objects, whatever, they've even changed the acronym. Now it's not UFO, it's something else now, UFA or something like that. And, and now governments are confessing it, and, and even the United States government and our allies are now actually talking about these things are real, and they're trying to get to the bottom of it, and we got a prophet who knew what they were a half century ago. You'd never convince them, but that's okay. I don't need to convince them. Amen. Say, you know, people, people, people aren't so convinced about your faith. My faith doesn't require them to be. Amen. Praise the Lord, friends. For me, it's, it's not a matter of who's right and who's wrong. I know whom I have believed. Amen. And I, I, and, and I you know, they, they are, I was, and on this, on this history documentary, they were talking about the, the new super collider. I forget where it's at. It seems like it's somewhere in the Scandinavian countries. Somewhere in Europe, they've got that super collider. And you know what they're doing? You know what they're using that for right now? They're studying dimensions. They're aware there's more than just light, time, and matter. And there's more than our five senses contact. And their science is now trying to unlock it. We're close. We're close, friends. We're very, very close. Amen. <clears throat> I, uh, I'm not going to go into my thought tonight. I've got permission from the Lord to put it off till in the morning. That's my advantage. I get, I get, I get all the time I want tomorrow. But... Uh, how many have enjoyed, my, the presence of the Lord? Give these brothers a hand. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Um, so, um, Matt, I'm thinking that 
that what we might do, um, because I told the musicians they like to come down with when their families come up for the table. And uh, so instead of bringing them back up at all, once the communion starts, maybe we could just play the pre-service music. Can that work? Yeah, okay, we'll do that. Amen. You know, friends, it's a grand privilege to come to the Lord's Supper. And I, I, I don't ever... I don't ever want the Lord's Supper to be, you know, something that we just take haphazardly. It's really not ever to be that. You know, the Lord's Supper is something of a special occasion for us, you know. And I, you know, it's, uh, it's, it, what's amazing is, is that it's, a, it's not just a tradition, but it's an ordinance of the church that Jesus set in motion and said, you should keep doing this. And Brother Branham said those, those were three ordinances and that, that he left us was water baptism and communion and foot washing. And, you know, so the Lord's Supper then has a function in the same way for believers today. I want you to get your mind around that. It has the same function for believers today that it had for believers 2,000 years ago. Because you know the only thing that separates you from Simon Peter and James and Paul and all of those who used to take the Lord's Supper when they were in the upper room with Jesus and even going into the New Testament era and they took the Lord's Supper. Do you know the only thing that separates you from them? Time. Other than that, you are in that same family. You are, we are all enjoined by the blood of Jesus Christ back to God through faith. Isn't that a beautiful thing? That's not just a metaphor, friends. That, the, the records of heaven record you as sons and daughters of God. My. And so it's done in remembrance. We know that, that it's done in remembrance of the Lord. And, and it is, it is a, it is a, it is a kind of, a, a kind of continual proclamation. It is a way of testifying. It's a way of coming to the Lord's table together. It's amazing. And I've, I've noticed it over the years, how many um, times in various churches, this church included and other churches I've been at and and been a part of other churches and 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 even even churches I visited, how that not everybody will come to the Lord's table. And it's it's a sadness there for that because this is this is one of the other than your water baptism taking the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Could you imagine? Could you imagine, say I'm a Christian, could you imagine claiming you were a Christian? And you refused to be baptized. And you just said, I don't need to do that. And you never went to the water. You never gathered as a public witness with God's family and was willing to go to the water and take the name of the Lord Jesus Christ in baptism. Communion and foot washing are the three ordinances together. Water baptism, communion, and foot washing. And there will be people who are willing to get baptized and claim to be a believer, but who will never come to the Lord's table. It is important. It is vitally important. And, you know, if it wasn't important, the Lord wouldn't have set the order. You ever think about that? The Lord, the Lord didn't do things, you know, without reason. He didn't operate redundantly. He didn't do things without cause and without purpose. He didn't entertain 
He didn't do any of those things. He, he brought them together for a purpose. And when we come together, and we're going to read about it in 1 Corinthians 11 here in a moment, but, but you know, this, as we come to this ordinance, I believe that it has a strengthening quality to it. I believe it strengthens our faith because we're coming together in observation of the Lord's broken body and the blood he shed. That's not a small thing. That's not a small thing. It reinforces, not only does it strengthen our faith, but it reinforces the good news of the gospel. Not only that, but it brings us together. Listen, friends, if it doesn't accomplish one other thing, it brings us together in love. It brings us together in harmony to come and take the Lord's Supper and meet at the table together as a family of God. And then we go and we wash one another's feet. Why? To, because that's an expression of brotherly love. You know, when Brother Branham went beyond and that voice said to him, this is what you always preached was the Holy Ghost, divine love. Amen. We're going to change the order of the service now. And I'm going to ask Brother Luther to come forward and make, make ready. Um, I tell you what, Brother Andrew, why don't you come back to the piano and just you, and we'll, we'll let you play. And then once, the, uh, once um, everything gets going, then we'll switch over to the music. Let's turn in our Bibles to 1 Corinthians uh, 11, please, if you will. Just play for us softly, Brother Andrew. First Corinthians eleven, and we'll begin reading at verse twenty three. Paul said, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, <clears throat> the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. So it's remembering the Lord. It's a time to come together to consecrate ourselves, consecrate our hearts, and remember the sacrifice the Lord gave. Verse 25. After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. I love these next verses. But let a man examine himself and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. What a... What a release from a, an ominous verse prior. 
Because look, friends, the bottom line is that none of us feel worthy. I don't care how long you've been a Christian. The, sometimes the longer you've been a Christian, this might sound amazing, but sometimes the longer you've been a Christian, the more evidence the devil's got against you because you've had that many more times to stumble. When you were a sinner, you, just, you, weren't, you didn't commit sins. When you were a sinner, you just were in sin. Only a Christian, Brother Bram said, only a Christian commits sins. But a sinner just is sin. He's just living in sin. It's not measured that way. But once we give our heart to the Lord, then, you know, I, I just want to say tonight, this next verse, when I read where it says to me, examine yourself and then eat, I just want to say to you tonight, examine yourself before the Lord and throw those gates down. Throw them down. Examine yourself before the Lord. Say, what's my examination? Say, Lord, here I am tonight. And maybe I've had this failure and that failure and every kind of failure. But Lord, tonight I've come under the examination of your word. I'm going to admit I've been wrong and I'm going to ask you to forgive me. And I'm going to ask you to help me. And I'm going to throw those gates down. I'm going to walk into the city of refuge and I'm going to take the Lord's Supper. And so let him eat. I love that. My for he that, for this call, he says, he says, verse 27, wherefore whosoever shall eat of this bread and drink of this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. <clears throat> For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be, here's the good news, that we should not be condemned with the world. Isn't that beautiful? Aren't you glad for that today? Let's stand to our feet. Amen. <clears throat> I want to sing a chord of this. There is a fountain. Is that what you're playing? There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's my, my, my. And sinners plunge beneath that flood. Here it is. Lose all their guilty stain. Isn't that beautiful? Oh, lose all their guilt. Hallelujah, Lord. Oh, my. Oh, they lose all their guilty and sinners plunge beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains hallelujah don't you love him let's bow our heads Father, 
before us are the articles prepared. and We're offering this prayer now, Lord, and dedicating these articles to the service of the King. Lord, we've gathered together as your family, Lord, visitors in our gates tonight. In the home church, for the most part, Lord, gathered around us. We're thankful for them. I wish they were all here, Lord. But we're thankful for all of those who are, Master. Master, I know that tonight there are some sick, and I know Sister Amy, Lord, and Stamina have been very sick, the devil battling them hard since they came home from Minnesota. I know Brother Jason's been suffering. He's traveling, ministering. I pray for Sister Amy and the girls, Lord, that you would put strength in them, oh God. I pray, Father, for members of my family, Lord, who have had a hard knock to go through today with the funeral of a loved one. And Lord, wanted to be here tonight, had every plan to be. And then, Lord, the enemy comes in and trying to harm the family. So we're offering prayer for them tonight, Lord. God, I'm praying for Sister Hannah Keith, Lord God. Oh, Father, that's a terrible thing. And I, I ask you to help her now, Lord. Father, don't let that wound to her head be worse, Lord. Don't let the devil have any kind of an inside track on that. We're asking mercy for her, Lord. And I pray for the family, Lord, who are trying to help her. Others that were out of town tonight who I happened to know are out of town and couldn't be here. Lord, we're thanking you. Thanking you for all things. Thanking you for your mercy. I thank you for the word that came tonight, Lord, for these brothers who have brought the word. Lord, it's burned in our hearts, Father. Lord, we're here to give you gratitude, to bring it back to you, Lord, and say thank you. Now, sanctify these articles, Lord, to their intended use, to their proper use, Lord God, the bread and the wine, Father. We commit it to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. With all hearts clear and examined, we're going to begin. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Brother Andrew, you can join your family and we'll have Brother Matt uh, turn on our pre-service uh, music. Amen. And we're going to begin... Um, just from right here on the front corner. I suppose, Brother Luther, we could uncover this as well and be ready to go. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise God. A little louder, perhaps, Brother Matt. <clears throat> we'll begin right here, and what will happen is, um, as you come forward, just go back and then come back around to your seats like that, and then we'll we'll get this side. Come now as you choose. God bless you and you. God bless you.
Gospel of John chapter 13, John's Gospel chapter 13, verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, Having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. That's such a beautiful way of saying it. Supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he was come from God and went to God, he riseth from supper laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poureth water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter saith unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do thou knowest not now, But thou shalt know hereafter. Peter saith unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus saith to him, He that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit. And ye are clean, but not all. For he knew who should betray him. Therefore, said he, ye are not all clean. So after he had washed their feet and had taken his garments and was set down again, he said unto them, know ye what I have done unto you? Done to you? You call me master and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If you know these things, happy are ye if you do them. At this time, our brothers will be dismissed to the fellowship hall. The sisters will remain in place here. If you're a visitor, just just follow what you see the others doing. Amen. Brothers, you can be dismissed to the fellowship hall at this time. God bless you.
Let's stand to our feet. We're going to get ready to dismiss and let you go. And Amen. Invite you back tomorrow. Amen. Praise the Lord. And wouldn't it be wonderful if tomorrow the trumpet sounds? Oh, you know, friends, I was reflecting about 2023, thinking to myself, no one, no one thought such a thing. I can tell you, raised up in this my whole life since a child, been ministering around the world for a long time. And I can tell you, I've sat in ministers' meetings everywhere and churches everywhere and heard sermons, so many sermons in my lifetime. No one thought anyone would ever say, it's 2023. No one, no one. And I thought about that and... I realized the Lord said, you know, kind of had to be that way because I said I'd come in the hour you think not. <laughs> and the one I had to wait till no one thought it would ever be that, and that's when I could come. <laughs> so praise the Lord. <clears throat> Whatever 2023 holds, if it holds the rapture. Remember the other day I was preaching, and I spun my calendar around. I started just spinning through days. And I said, how do we know? But where, there it went. <laughs> We might have just passed by. You know, when the bride leaves here, the world will go right on. Time will just go right on. Brother Branham said they'll, they'll keep going to church. They'll sing songs. They'll preach. They'll even come to the altar in repentance and thinking they're getting saved. And it's already, the rapture's already come and gone. He said, one of these days, they'll say, well, wasn't this supposed to happen? Wasn't that supposed to happen? Prophet said, they'll hear a voice speak out of the air and say, it's already happened. And you didn't know it. I'm glad to be on the on the know, in the know. I'm glad to be in the know. Amen. I know my Redeemer liveth. I know whom I have believed. Amen. You can know. The Bible says that you can know that you're children of God. So I, I am glad for what I know. Paul desired that we be filled with all the fullness of the knowledge of God. So we're looking forward to what... Tomorrow holds, and every day after that, going into the new year, we've got a lot of things we want to do, a lot of things on my heart, a lot of every every year at this time of the year, I always, uh, my mind just starts exploding with ideas and visions of this and visions of that, and, and so we, we try a lot of different stuff, and what works good we keep, and what don't we, we jack that shell out, put another shell in, and see if that one will fire. <laughs> Amen. But I love being busy for the kingdom of God. Amen. I like being efficient. I like, I like knowing that I'm, that I'm in service to his majesty, uh, the king. Amen. How did that go today, Rach? Uh, what did he call him? Uh, prince Emmanuel. I loved that. <laughs> prince Emmanuel. We serve the great prince. Prince Emmanuel. Never been a prince like him. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's bow our heads. <clears throat> Father, how we love you, how we thank you. This old song of the church, Lord, to sing that fresh, Lord, as the year is winding out and another year coming in. Lord, whatever it holds, we want to be ready for it. Whatever the challenges may, we may face, 
We want to go forward, Lord, never backward, never standing still. We want to go forward, forward, always forward. Speak unto the children that they go forward, you said to Moses. And so, Lord, standing here on the, on the edge of the, of the new year, we look forward to whatever it is as long as our hand is in your hand. Bless us now as we journey our, to our homes, Lord, the rainy, wet roads, the fog, the different things, Lord. And the, there'll be plenty of ungodliness going on on these roads and streets tonight. So get all your family safe home, tucked in, Lord, safe and sound. Bring us back tomorrow at the appointed hour. We commit it to you now. Remember our sick and afflicted ones among us, Lord. We hold them up. We thank you for what you're doing now in answer to prayer. Commit it all to you in Jesus' name. God bless you. Turn on, shake somebody's hand. Say, God bless you, pilgrim. We'll see you in the morning. Y'all can be dismissed in Jesus' name. Yeah.